You're listening to the Hero Up Podcast with Jim Simcoe. Thanks for being here today. Let's get rolling with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Epic All Day Podcast. This is Jim Simcoe. Thank you so much for checking out the show. Very excited. We have our Hero Up Summit event coming up very soon. So I'm super excited to have one of our expert speakers on the podcast today, Dr. Jen Gonzalez, sexologist and sociologist. How are you, Dr. Jen? I am doing fantastic. Thanks, yeah? Jim. Good, good, yeah. good. Now, we've had you on the show before. It's actually one of my most popular podcasts. Um, yay. Every, every, yay. Everybody loves the topic <laughs> of sex and love and relationships. It's, it's, uh, I was talking to someone the other day and he said, he's like, I've seen all your podcasts and there's like four of them that I love and this sex one is by far the best one. And I was like, oh, oh cool. thank you so much. Oh, yay. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. That's yeah. awesome. And you'll cool. actually meet him because he's actually going to be at the event and he's actually one of the other speakers. So, Oh, um, sweet. Yeah. And the event's gearing up to be pretty cool. Pretty excited about it. For those of you interested in checking out the event, check out HeroUpSummit.com, HeroUpSummit.com, and that'll tell you a little bit more about it. But why don't we get into what we wanted to talk about? So, you know, in our very first podcast, we talked about, you know, we, we started to get into sex and relationships and intimacy and some of those things. And so I wanted to revisit some of those topics. And I really wanted to start, you know, maybe you can tell everyone a little bit about what you do and 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 your work in this field. Yeah, so I mean I'm a my background is as a sociologist. I have my PhD in sociology uh, with a specialty in sex and gender. So, you know, that means you know my my foundation in education and approach to sex and intimacy and relationship topics is through the lens of um, you know, what have we what have we learned about these topics growing up? And where did we learn them? Where did, you know, what did we learn it means to be a woman or a man or masculinity and femininity? And um, where have we taken on those roles? Where have we happily taken them on? Where have we been forced into them? Um, And where does it, you know, both benefit us sexually and where does it um, interfere um, with our ability to be sexually expressed? So, um, you know, I have that foundation as a sociologist and then, um, and then I've really, you know, the past 14 years been on my own personal journey about around spirituality and mindfulness and personal transformation and yoga and meditation um, and a very uh, mind-body-spirit approach to mm-hmm. my own personal growth. Um, and then applying that to all of the work that I do. So at the core of my work is mindfulness and compassion. Um, and so because, you know, everybody we all have some sort of hangups or issues around um, our bodies and sexuality and intimacy and communication. Yeah. Um, and, you know, unless we can shine a bright light on exactly what's happening in the moment when we get triggered and what those belief systems are and, and where they came from, it's hard to do anything different. So right. yes, I apply that. I do, you know, individuals and couples counseling, kind of a version of coaching, counseling and education in a private practice, um, my real passion is public speaking um, in lots of different venues um, and writing and and media work. So, uh, big picture, sex education. We get you know we don't have many spaces where we can be really open and honest and vulnerable um, and and not shamed and judged. Right. For our, our rawness of who we are as sexual beings. And that's really my purpose and mission is to create those safe spaces for men and women. Which is so cool. I mean, I think that this is what your work is so cool. And I think it's it's one of those things where I really 
I think it should be required in the mm. school system from the high school to the, to the college level. Because I mean, I, man, I can't tell you one thing I learned in economics freshman year in college, this, and I think what you teach and uh, what you talk about would have been so helpful back then, because I think you're right. I think so many people are either, you know, they've got body issues, body image issues, or they, you know, repressed sexually in some level one way or the other. Um, it, you know, it, it's something and it, play, yeah. it, I think it plays out in other aspects of life. I think there's a lot of times when I'm like, you know, I can be in a meeting with, with, you know, four or five people and I'll look at one person and I'll be like, wow, this person, you know, like just needs to get laid because they are so <laughs> uptight and oh. so crazy and just so like, you know, they need, they have something else is going on outside of that. And it's, uh, as you know, this is obviously a not safe for work podcast. Do not be listening to this <laughs> on speakerphone around kids or, <laughs> or anywhere else. So, um, so I think it's, I think it's super cool. And I think it's a topic that no one really wants to, I think it's a, it's one of those topics. It's really interesting because it's something that everybody wants to know about, but nobody wants to ask, right? Like it's, it's, it's right. And I think people don't even know what we don't know what we don't know. Um, right. and sometimes or what to ask. And I was thinking about, you know, what you said, like your economics class, we, a lot of our education and what we deem most valuable for public education is very um, disconnected and disembodied. And it, like it creates us to be like walking, walking brains, you know, walking heads. But we're like, what's the real thing that matters is like our, our heart connection to other people, our, our right. ability to be vulnerable and authentic and self-express. Like that's the stuff that really feeds people in life. That's the stuff on their deathbeds. You know, that their right. their regrets that they have if they didn't um, have the courage and give themselves the permission and the space to feed that in life. Yet we don't we don't we get trained out of the you know, we get trained in the opposite of that. Um, and we're not it takes skills. It takes skills to really be mindful and present with other people and have really uncomfortable conversation or to request your needs and to negotiate around that. That takes a lot of nuance and skills and awareness of yourself and awareness of the other human in front of you. Um, we don't, we don't get that training anywhere. Often people don't get it till like their marriages are breaking down, you know, and the thing that's most important to them, they're, it's dying and, you know, and then they show up in counseling and they have to undo all of this stuff and then start to try to learn these skills. Right. It's kind of funny. Like I, I have, I have a couple of friends who have, um, I've talked about, you know, their relationships or whatever. And, uh, I had, you know, I had one person say, you know, like, look, I don't, I just don't know how to please my wife. I don't know what she wants. I don't know, like, you know, our intimacy isn't great. Da, da, da. And, and my thing with him was, I was like, well, have you ever asked her? And he was oh. like, and he was like, no. And, and he's like, I don't even know what to ask. Like, I don't even know, yeah. where, I wouldn't even know where to start. And I was like, oh, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to record a podcast with Dr. Jen and listen <laughs> in and maybe you can figure it out. So, you know, and what's funny about that is in, in, you know, typically, you know, when I rec- when I'm recording a podcast, I like to send all the guests. I send them questions usually the day before the day of or whatever. So they're a little bit prepped, just like I did with you. And most podcasts, I, I have, you know, kind of 20 or 30 questions that I narrow down to about 10 and that I think they'll be most valuable. And, and this podcast, very much like our first podcast, was a very difficult podcast to come up with what questions I wanted to ask because it, <laughs> it's kind of like what you were saying. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. So you're, yeah. you know, so I'm kind of like, um, I think these are good questions. These are the kind of questions that, you know, that, that other people have had that, you know, that I think would be important, but anyway, so let's go, I'm going to go right into that. So yeah, uh, tell me how important do you think 
I mean, how important is a healthy sex life, a healthy intimacy with your partner? How important is that to a relationship and to a marriage? I mean, does, is it actually important? I mean, do we really need it or is it just, is this just all talk? It's funny. I think it depends on the couple and I think it's, you know, it depends on each individual in it and then how you are as a couple, because I have seen couples, very healthy, loving, communicative, respectful, fulfilled couples, um, you know, with or without kids who do not have sexual intimacy. They have cuddling and they have closeness and they have emotional and intellectual intimacy, um, but not sexual intimacy. And I would say these are incredibly healthy couples. And neither of them are missing it. And that's the important piece. Okay. Because if one or both of you is missing that intimacy, if if the way you most feel loved and connected is is through sexuality, if that's how you express yourself, if that's how you feel seen and acknowledged, if that's how you feel nurtured, um, if that's if that's, you know, the thing that is most special with you that you can only have with that person that you're in relationship with. And then you start to lose it. That's going to be really problematic. Right. So that's where it comes down to. So I think you can be healthy and fine with it, but one or if both people miss it. The other thing is if, you know, if it's, if it's missing and you're, you don't really quote unquote miss it, but that's because you've had, you know, trauma in your past or you're sort of shut down around it. Sure. I mean, then that's, that, you know, that's another piece of looking at why is it not in your relationship and is it problematic or not? And is this something, you know, that, that can be addressed and should be addressed? So, um, but yeah, I mean, for the couples that are able to, to maintain it in a way that feels good to both of them and fulfilling to both of them, I mean, it's beautiful. Um, it's a beautiful, you know, it, 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 roughs it, it uh what's how do i want to describe this it, you know it smooths thank you i'm like it's not a big word i'm trying to think of it smooths <laughs> um, it smooths the edges of a relationship um when you're both when you both want it and when you both get into it and connect that way because those little things that were bothering you before don't matter so much anymore right um and so in that way you know, the fact is that, you know, mostly in our society, we have heterosexual relationships. We have men and women under one roof. I don't know that we were designed to really do that long term right. <laughs> and to actually like each other and then to still feel passion. And then to, that person's supposed to be your all and your everything. And like, that's impossible. Pretty much our romantic notion of marriage and long term relationships isn't really based in biology and, and the socialization of males and females. Um, but if you can maintain that sexual peace, it um, make living together a whole lot easier. Right. Now, do you think, you know, it's in, you brought up something I think is important to touch upon because I feel like, you know, like if, if someone is really into a sexual relationship and is like, that's really, really important to them. I feel like there are times when the other partner it could say like, oh, you know, all this, you know, all she wants is sex or all this person wants is sex. And, and they, and they almost you know, they don't, um, they make it less than, you know, they don't make it as important to, or they make light of it more than anything else and say that it's not important. But basically what you're saying is like, look, if like sex is your way of expressing intimacy and with your way of connecting mindfully, then it does become an important thing. And it's not something that's just, uh, uh, this base function of being a human. 
Yeah. And that's why, you know, I really love using the book, the five love languages and that, you know, free, free test online, because, you know, you can just be like, geez, really? Like we have such a, we have such a great relationship and I, you know, we take care of each other and, and all you, and sex is what is, is all you're clamoring for? Like, is that all I am to you? And when you realize, no, no, that's their love language. Like that's how they feel connected. Um, that's how they feel nurtured and seen. And cause otherwise they hear that you love them, but they actually don't feel loved. Like, you know, that's a whole nother standard and it, it, you know, it puts it on another a plane of not just some, you know, base raw animal physical need, but like, no, this is how I deeply connect with another human being that I love and right. care for. What I love about that book too, and it's, it's called the five love languages. And I read it a long time ago. What I love yeah. about that book is it really gives you permission to be mm-hmm. okay with however you like to be loved, like whatever the way yeah. is. And it's also, I think so enlightening and, and also if, you know, pretty basic, but really enlightening in the fact that it forces you to realize that your partner doesn't necessarily want to be loved the way that you're currently loving them <laughs> and that they're different people and they want something, you know, totally different. Um, I, yeah. I, I've used this example before, but I know like in uh, the very beginning of my marriage to Kelly, you know, I was, I was always kind of giving her positive affirmations and bringing her flowers and, and doing the things that, you know, that I enjoyed and that were part of my love language. Right. <laughs> and really at that, at that time, cause I think love language has changed, but at that time, you know, uh, our daughter was, uh, only a year old, what she really wanted were acts of service. And like, yep. she wanted me to like empty the dishwasher and put my, you know, put my <laughs> shoes away. And when I, after we read the book and I kind of figured, you know, figured that out, I was like, wow, my life is so much easier now because not only, <laughs> Not only have I been spending all this extra time and effort to do the things that don't resonate with my wife, but the things that she actually needs from me are so easy. They're so (laughs) simple. So I was like spending all this extra time and money trying to like, you know, knock it out of the park when it was just like, she was just like, Hey man, empty the dishwasher occasionally, put your shoes away. Like I, you know, and it just, it just, it just really makes relationships so much easier when you know what that is. And I think that that's a, that's a a common theme is like, I think a lot of people just don't spend the time asking and they, it's kind of like, you know, when you're going somewhere and you're driving around, you don't know where to go. It's like, well, you fire up GPS and you fire up ways and Google maps and you, you know, you figure it out. You don't drive around and endlessly looking for something. Well, and I think, you know, I think it comes down to the, we, it never occurs to us to think about different ways that love is expressed. Right. Oh, right. Um, totally true. Or different ways that we feel love. We just like, you know, because love, it's so crazy abstract and, you know, and you might learn about it in a, you know, a psychology class in this really sort of detached way, but like, really, what is it to, to, to feel it and what is it to express it? And so we don't get a deep, self-reflection on that and what, what are our own needs and when do I feel most loved? Um, you know, and how do I define that? And, and then it doesn't even occur to you then that other people might have different answers. Yeah. What are the odds of that? Wait a minute. I mean, other people (laughs) might not love the chili peppers the way I love them or love the Patriots. Wait, other people have opinions too. Wow. What a world. But but that's such a great context to put it in, right? It is like personal taste. Yeah. Um, but we don't think of it because love is this, you know, 
abstract thing that, you know, musicians and poets and artists and, you know, everybody talks about and writes and paints and croons on. Um, and it, and it touches us. Um, but we, you know, the actual application of it, um, you know, requires some reflection on the nitty gritty of it and some detailed, um, questions and conversations and getting uncomfortable because it's vulnerable to ask for your needs because, because then, you know, you might not think you're worthy of it. If you ask for it and your partner might not give it to you. And then that hurts a whole lot more. Right. Right. So yeah, it's a lot of stickiness around it. Yeah, that is true. So what are the, some tell me, so what are the, I mean, cause you've worked with tons and tons of people and you've been doing this and you travel, I know you travel around the world giving these talks. What are some of the common intimacy, sex life, relationship problems you see with people in relationships? I mean, I, cause I, and one of the reasons I wanted to ask this question is because I feel like a lot of times in relationships, when you have problems, you really feel alone. Like you feel like, oh, no one else has this problem. It's just us. Um, you know, I'm the only one who feels this way. But so I'm curious, what are some of the things that you see on a pretty regular basis that that are problems that people have in their relationships? Yeah, one of the most common ones is um, couples in long term relationships that have mismatched desire levels. Um, and so, okay. what do you mean by yeah, that? Yeah, like early on, often, um, it, you know, everybody's kind of hot and heavy, yeah. <laughs> and you're excited, <laughs> and that's that's really the neurochemicals. Like we are wired like that as animals to, you know, neurochemically get this wonderful cocktail around lust and desire and excitement and newness and mystery and and sexual exploration and this you know, raw vulnerability of sharing your body with someone else. Um, and, and then, you know, it could be eight months, it could be a year and a half, it could be three years. Um, usually within that time period, it starts to shift. And if your relationship has made it that long, then, and they've actually done, you know, fMRI brain scans on this of like, it's love early, quote unquote, love and like long term love lights up, light up really different areas of our brains. Okay. Um, because that that newness, that beginning, that excitement, that mystery, that uncertainty, that anxiety, all of that around what new love is, is and that's, you know, feeds passion. Um, and then long term love is commitment, it's stability, it's safety. It's trust. It's a deep knowing. Um, all of the things that are quite opposite of passion. Yeah. So, they, um, oh, so that's interesting. So it's actually two different. So they've done studies, and it's actually two different levels of love or different types. Yeah, or different. Yeah, versions. Um, and one one is kind of easy, and that the neurochemicals are running the show, and the the longer term one is is a lot more like you know reflection and commitment. And communication and like, okay, do we really want to now we might have to work on this? um, And do we have what it takes to do that? And so we're only taught and ever shown really, um, you know, in in Hollywood movies and and Cosmo articles, um, that early version of of lustful desire and love. That's one of the reasons I stopped reading Cosmo, quite frankly. It's like I just just couldn't deal with it anymore. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to go back to men's health because this Cosmo stuff is ridiculous. (laughs) You're like, I still like the pictures, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So 
Um, and so we are, we're ill prepared for that. We're also taught a romantic notion of like, well, if we do everything right and we treat this person right and we've got this chemistry and we commit to them, great. We get to have sex whenever we want it. Right. Um, and then what happens when, well, that's in the brochure, right? That's in the brochure <laughs> they sell you in high school. Like, this is, yeah, this I is know. yeah, basically, exactly. Yeah. So, um, and then it's like, okay, when one of you, whenever you like, no, your body is no longer yearning for sex or asking for it. What the hell do you do? Because right. it's like, it's like coming up to a buffet and you're like, you yeah, know, I'm like not hungry, like at all. Like it feels bad putting food in my mouth. Right. And it's like, your partner's like, yeah, but you, no, but you like this food. Come on. Let's, you want this food in your mouth. Right. And you're like, well, shit, I used to want that. And I know <laughs> it makes you feel good to feed me. Um, and so what's wrong with me? And then I feel guilty. And then you just, you know, never show up to the buffet again. Cause it's just it's too much of a hassle. Yeah. And discomfort. And you don't know what's wrong and neither side. And it's interesting. I just had this conversation with a, a male friend of mine last night. We were talking about how for many men in that position, then they'll say, well, you know, the, the, you know, the woman in my life and she has less desire than me and she holds all the power. She's the gatekeeper ah. um, because we only have sex when she wants it. And so and he's, you know, he feels rejected and he feels not loved and he feels resentful of that. But I have yet to speak to a woman in a low desire position who feels powerful in that position. Really? What do they feel? Do they feel? They feel guilt. They feel uh, horrible that they're rejecting their partner. They feel like they're broken in uh, some way. They feel, um, they just feel a lot of guilt and they just, and shame and have no skills of what to do with it. And because then their husband brings up the topic or their, you know, partner, as they have a right to do the higher desire person, like, Hey, you know, I still have this need, what's going on with this. And the other person either, you know, the low desire person lashes out in anger or just shuts down because we have no skills with how to sit with such horrible feelings that we have because of what we feel like we're doing to the person we love the most. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's, I'd say, you know, the biggest thing that I see is that long-term mismatched desire. Um, and it's just fraught with so many heavy negative emotions and a lot of them because we're not taught to talk about sex. We're not taught how to negotiate our needs. We're not taught how to think outside the box. Right. Um, um, you know, and really be creative in our sexual expression with our partners and how to, you know, mindfully sit with the feeling of rejection, the feeling of guilt, the feeling with shame stay present in those really awkward, uncomfortable conversations, you know, gain resiliency and sitting in that discomfort and then, um, and then having, starting to have some really authentic and vulnerable conversations about, okay, what, what can we do differently? Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of, that kind of rolls right into my next question is like, you know, so that vulnerability part and it, it seems to me, and again, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, not a PhD. I'm your usual normal, stupid guy. Um, so, but it seems like so much of this comes down to being willing to be willing to be vulnerable, and then also willing to communicate with your partner about these things. So, how, how for what are some tips you can give people? How can people be more open with their partners about what they want sexually or what they need from from an intimacy level in a relationship? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, a bunch of things. The first thing that comes to mind is one, like if you don't, you don't know what your triggers are around these topics and what your fears are and what your shames are and what your insecurities are, you're going to be, they're going to be unwittingly triggered when you're going into these difficult conversations. So I think a first step is really sitting down and doing some reflection and writing on your own of um, like, okay, this is, you know, I mean, even starting first, like, this is what sex means to me. This is what not having sex means to me. This is what it feels like. This is how it hurts me. Um, this is my interpretation of that. These, this is what rejection feels like, like really getting into the nitty gritty of that discomfort. And also, I mean, you know, when I guide couples through this and say, uh, you know, a, a men specifically, it's interesting sometimes how their version of sex and their sexual needs kind of got stagnated as teenagers and never evolved past sort of like a 17 year old boy. Um, yeah. uh, yep. <laughs> I probably yeah. agree with that statement a hundred percent. And so getting clear of like, Oh, okay. Some of my sexual needs are a little, um, dated, dated. I was going to say like immature. a pager or an eight track or, <laughs> yes. or a Sony Walkman. Exactly. We're all stuck in you the know, Star were, Wars era. They were they were good in the eighties. Yep. <laughs> but um, what's it look like to have a more, you know, um, mature and nuanced version of 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 being a sexual man and connecting with your partner in that way? Um, so yeah, getting really clear on 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 where you know what you're where you're stuck. And what your beliefs are and where your insecurities are. And because if, if you can't, you know, if we can't sit with our insecurities, then we're not going to be able to go in and have this vulnerable conversation do you in think the way that we need. Right. And do you think, you know, like to your point about knowing your triggers and fears and shames and insecurities and beliefs, do you think that once you've sort of nailed that down or figure that out, is it important at that point to tell, you know, to share that with your partner or is that something yeah. that it is? Well, I mean, I was going to, I was hoping you were going to say no. So I, I would, <laughs> okay. you should, you should hide that away with shame in a little compartment. <laughs> I have plenty of <laughs> things hidden, right? Plenty of things hidden in, in shame. My, you know, starting with my fashion sense, tank tops forever. Many, many things. My musical well, taste. So funny. I was just, because the picture of you that I'm seeing on our Skype call is you in a tank top. Of course. Of <laughs> course. Why would it be, why would Skype treat me any differently than everybody else? Everyone just assumes I wear tank tops all the time in the shower, you name it, wherever. Well, you it's, put that picture up yeah, here. So. It's, it's mainly true. I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, okay. So I guess I should say first and foremost, like, we need to make sure we're in a partnership that we can be vulnerable, you know? Okay, and if, that's if, interesting. Okay. if you're not, then that's really something too important to look at. Okay. Uh, because then, then like, then you, you just need to get into counseling and have someone that can safely facilitate these conversations for you. Because otherwise, um, if, yeah, if you feel like it's not safe, uh, you know, uh, for yeah, either person in it, um, because, there, you know, there's a reason we have armor up and we protect ourselves and we don't want to be raw and exposed is because we're afraid of being judged or rejected or shamed or ridiculed. And if you have a partner that that's their kind of go to, 
if you're sharing something really personal and deep, um, then no, you shouldn't be vulnerable <laughs> with yeah. them. And I, you know, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, that's, that's, that's really good real world advice. I mean, I think that that's, you know, crucial. I mean, I've been in relationships before where there really wasn't trust and there wasn't that yeah. sense. And, and, and I remember, you know, being open and honest and really vulnerable about, st- about certain things. And it really came back to bite me. And then after the relationship ended, I was like, well, why the hell did I tell her that? Like I knew ahead of time, like she wasn't really the kind of person I could trust with that kind of stuff. Right. So I think that's that's key. Yeah. Yeah. And so if, you know, you're, this relationship is worth working on and getting to that point. And particularly if you have children, then yeah, go, go to counseling, you know, get, get the skills in that and have somebody that creates the safe space for that. Um, because, and then, because otherwise you, we, you don't want, oh my God, like it's the, the worst thing to be really raw and vulnerable and share something that's so uncomfortable and then to have it thrown back at you oh God. or that the person teases you about it. Oh, really? Or, I mean, do you see people do that? Um, well, I mean, I, you know, as a heterosexual woman, I date men and men are known to joke about things that they shouldn't joke about sometimes. Yeah, that's true. And make light of things because that's what they do when they're uncomfortable. Yep. So, yeah, I definitely, I mean, and good, good, loving men in good relationships have done that to me before. And I mean, and gratefully, I have the confidence and the strength and the, you know, sense of self to be like, dude, like, seriously, did you like, I, wait, we can swear on this podcast, right? <laughs> uh, you know what? I hope so, because I've been swearing for 53 episodes. So if we can't, I'm, I'm going to be out of a job. I usually don't drop the F bomb and I was about to, and I was like, wait a second, I can do that. Believe me, the the name of this podcast is probably going to be like something like sex talk, intimacy lessons or whatever. So right away, people are going to know this is not something to listen to again on speakerphone around kids, you know, in a school cafeteria, in a police station, whatever. So yeah, you can swear. So yeah, yeah, no, I was was just like in those moments and because I do tend to swear a lot, um, I'm like, which is healthy. It's very healthy. You read the Harvard study about it, swearing. People who swear oh, are healthier than other people. We didn't say they're smarter too or something. They said that they're smarter and they're better looking. They're better looking, yes. smarter, charming if they swear more. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not, you know. I'm just saying. Just saying. It's a fucking fact. What can you do? So, yeah. So when I've been in those situations <laughs> before, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that was a really uncomfortable thing I shared with you. I'm like. Like, and I, I will own because I, you know, I practice so much mindfulness. I'll be like, dude, way to fucking make me feel shame right now. And I'm like, and I'll feel it like in my chest and in my gut. And like, that's shitty. And then, I mean, and I could probably be a little more tactful (laughs) in the way, you know, I call them out on it, but like shit, you know, I'm happy that I'm able to just own what's happening in the moment and call it out as inappropriate. And then they're like, Oh shit, you're right. That was, no, I should not have done that. So anyway, in general, you know, you want to know it's a safe space to start these vulnerable, um, conversations. Um, and then I don't know, did I answer your question? Yeah. I mean, I think it basically, (laughs) if it's, it seems like if you know, if you know, if you, if you are good at knowing yourself and what your triggers are, your shames and securities and beliefs, that's the first thing it seems like. And the second thing is to kind of validate your partnership and make sure that you have a, either there's trust there and it can be a safe space. And it sounds like after that, the real big thing is to, is to open the conversation. Yeah. And I mean, 
you know, you mentioned a, a friend that you had said to, you're like, well, have you, have you asked your wife? And he's like, no, I don't even know how to I'm do that. I'm a genius with other people's relationship. I am an absolute genius <laughs> with other people. In my own sometimes, I'll like, be like, oh, she asked me to put that thing away four times. I still haven't done it. And she's mad now. I'm like, oh, I wonder why. You know, it's like, <laughs> right, exactly. Cool this on my own, but, but, but good with everybody else. Well, and so I, I like this, uh, you know, so I'm going to like brainstorm sort of organically in the moment here. Like if I was to give somebody, like if, you know, if, if that your friend was in front of me and yeah. I was to on the spot, give him, you know, four questions or something like that to start this conversation. You know, I think the first one I would say is, and I mentioned this before, like, what does sex mean to you? Like, what's your motivation for when you do have sex and what's it mean to you? And that's super telling because you can have one person that's like, oh, it's like loving and connected. And the other person's like, oh, it's just sort of fun. And it scratches an itch and is stress relieving. Well, those are totally different energies that you're bringing to. And like, no wonder you may not be matching up um, when you want to have sex. So what's it mean to you? And then what's it mean to you to not have sex? And, you know, for the higher desire person, they're often like, well, you know, I feel, feel sad. I feel rejected. I feel, you know, uh, not loved. And the, the, you know, lower desire person is often like, I feel relieved, (laughs) you know, I, I feel like, except then when we do have it, I could check a box and then I don't have to worry about it for another while. So that's the first place to start. And then, you know, maybe, and, and these things may be easier to actually have each of you write it down first and then share it with each other right? Um, so that you have time to organize your thoughts. So you could have these like four questions, then you each, you know, you read the question, you each write it down and then you share it. And then the next one could be something along the lines of when, um, when do you feel most, um, you know, sexually turned on by me? Right. And then when do you feel most sexually turned on just on your own? And, and, and then what, what, you know, well, so there's a, um, there's a fantastic book by this author called, um, Emily Nagoski. Okay. It's called, um, come as you are. I think it is the best book on female sexuality in forever. Okay. Um, and understanding it. And so she talks about, I'll put this in the show notes. What's her last name? Um, Nagoski, like, uh, I'll I'll, message. Uh, If you look up come as you are. Yeah, you'll see it. Um, and, and, and she talks about, um, the concept of desire as, um, accelerators and breaks and that often. so, So, yeah. And so when we talk about adding desire and passion, and in creating more or, redef- or refinding that, we often say how to spice up your sex life. Here, do this. Put sexy lingerie on. Like all these things that are supposed to be accelerators. I can never find but, lingerie in my size. It's the only right? thing. <laughs> they have some pretty sexy tank tops out there. <laughs> hey, hey, woman. Every tank top is a sexy tank top. <laughs> uh, maybe a nice crop top. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, um, go ahead. No, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. So we talk like we often focus on the accelerator part of it. And I think honestly, I think that's a more um, masculinity male version of sexuality to focus on that. If you really want to understand women's sexuality and desire overall, we need to look at the breaks. Um, And what what is it that suddenly like, 
you know, you're starting to get sexual with your partner. And then all of a sudden you're like, you just want to shut down or pull away. And often both of you feel that energy and nobody knows what the hell just happened. Yeah. But it's because, you know, um, you know, he say he, he reached down and he was like, touched your belly and you feel like you're heavier than you want to be. And you feel self-conscious in your belly. And all of a sudden you're not in the sexual moment. And all of a sudden you're feeling shut down because you feel self-conscious in your body image. Right. And then he's like, what happened? Right. And you don't even necessarily know what happened. And so like, I have a a young couple, probably um, early thirties that I've been working with. Probably I had them read this book, maybe um, six, eight months ago. And it's been profound for them because now both of them read the book and now both of them recognize in the moment when a break gets hit and she'll be like, Oh, he'll be like, something just happened. And she'll be like, yeah, she goes, Oh, I think it was this. And he'll be like, Oh, okay. What can I do differently? And then they move forward. And it's like this beautiful teamwork approach. Um, and they feel so empowered. He feels empowered because he, you know, he he can communicate about it and they can figure out a path forward. She feels empowered because she doesn't feel broken right. in her desire in a long-term relationship. So um, like getting clear and reflecting, and that might take time because, you know, if I just ask people, you know, what, what are your accelerator? What are your breaks? They don't necessarily know. But now if they study themselves over a month and they read the book, then they can make a list up. Um, and even, you know, to, before going into a sexual encounter, you're like, okay, your partner's like, okay, I'm really turned on. We haven't been close in a while. I'd really like to have some sexual intimacy. Let's go out to dinner. Let's have some drinks. Let's do this. Um, and you know, and I've talked to women thinking about like, okay, what, what are my breaks? What's getting in the way? You know, how can I address them? How can I enlist his help in addressing what these barriers that are in the way And then how can I be open? Then if I can address those, then I can be open to the energy of connecting and quality time and adult time and feeling taken care of and connected as we're together tonight. Um, And and the kids are at a sleepover. So that's not in the back of my mind that, you know, when we come home, you know, the babysitter's leaving and then we have to try to have sex and the kids are there, you know, whatever. Yeah. But you need to get really detailed in what all of those are um, and then kind of address them in a systematic way. So, yeah, I mean, it, it. what's interesting about a lot of what you're saying is, is it it seems like it's, you know, what they kind of teach you in high school is like, OK, you're going to meet the love of your life. You'll be very attracted to that person. That person will be super attracted to you for the rest of your life. You're just going to have sex whenever you want to have sex. They're always going to want it. You're always going to want it. It's going to be super easy. You're not going to have to think about it. And it'll be one of the easiest parts and most pleasurable parts about your life. And then you become an adult and you realize like none of that really is true. Like it's all (laughs) totally, totally different. So it's cool. But what's cool about everything you're saying is, is it's, it's almost like it's like this issue that, you know, you're really interested in solving and figuring out and, and hopefully your partner for whatever reason is also interested in solving and figuring out. So there's almost a kind of like a fun, fun game attached to this. So it's not like you're like, yes, you know, it's, 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 there's a difference between like, okay, I'm driving from here to Texas in the next week and I have to figure out like everything I need to pack and what I'm going to wear for travel and everything else. Like that's not as fun. 
But if you're like working with someone and, and, and in some ways increasing your intimacy um, by doing this, it does become a fun experience, uh, experience. I think it seems like it would. And that's, yeah, that's a, uh, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's a really key point of the, you know, the intention and the energy that you're bringing to sexually working on your relationship. Are you coming in with dread and fear of messing up or not doing something right or of trying something new or that it's not going to work? Um, or being rejected or all of those. And like, all of those things are in, you know, barriers or they're putting the brakes on because ideally what we want to be able to show up in is, is open hearted, connected, um, exploratory, uh, and, and, and playful. Right. Like that energy is fantastic because then if you try something new and it's a total fuck up. <laughs> and you're like, then at the end, you could be like, you high five your partner. You're like, yay for us that we had the courage to try something new. And we will never fucking do that again. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so you know, yes. and you just learned something new. You could probably laugh about it later. You don't want to try to get, and that's okay. We have to give ourselves the permission to explore like that and to mess up and to not be good at things. Um, right. and or that our partner's like, oh my gosh, that was horrible. And you're like, I'm so sorry. And they're like, dude, no, we, I'm in this. Like we both tried it. Like, I don't blame you. Um, and I think that's, I think that's key. You know, yeah. there's no, when, if there's no blame and it's a partnership and then I think it becomes a different, you know, it's a different, it's a different deal. Like if it's, if it's one person on their own trying something and then the other person gets all pissed off you know, then that other, then the first person is kind of out on an Island, you know, and yeah. by themselves, which makes it less likely that they want to try other stuff or be more vulnerable or whatever. So it seems like it's a snowball effect, but I like that idea of thinking of it more as like a partnership and as a team and allowing room for exploration and allowing room for mistakes and, and screw ups. I think that that's really key. Um, Oh, can I say one more thing about that? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I don't even know why I'm talking. You should just talk. The entire time. <laughs> um, so this is funny. I'll share something personal. Um, Cause the reason I mentioned that component of it is because I just had a conversation last night with a um, man that I am newly sort of sexually engaged with. And- this guy's going to love hearing this podcast. <laughs> I can't wait to get can't wait to get his comment on iTunes. I can always, oh, I think I, I, I don't know. I think the last time you interviewed me too, I was talking about a different man. Yeah. So apparently I'm about out and about in San Diego. Um, yeah. And so um, we, you know, we were very um, new to sort of hanging out with each other and some sexual exploration. And so we did some this weekend um, a few days ago. And we were actually just talking about it last night. Um, on the phone and, and he said something about, (laughs) I don't know how personal I want to get in this podcast, but there's certain things that I like in a very intense way. And as a man is learning my body, he can feel like he really could be hurting me. Um, and it's not. And so he was voicing how, I mean, and it was really uh, beautiful for me to hear. He's like, it was so intense. And he goes, and it was so like, like we were melded with each other, but he's like, I needed to be so attuned 
to your body and to your breathing and to your, your twitches and to your changes. And he's like, and so like in that moment with this, like, you know, tense thing we're doing. And he's like, because he goes like, I really took it seriously. Like, like your, your clearly, you know, my pleasure, but like my care was his responsibility. And like, and it was like beautiful. Like I've actually never heard a man voice that before in that way. Like it made me want to cry. Like it was beautiful. It was so lovely. And so like, first I was like, thank you. Like, I want to acknowledge that. Like, that's a beautiful thing. Um, and like, and that does hearing that, like I felt so cared for. And then, but the second piece of it, I was like, don't worry about hurting me or messing up. Like that's part of the process. Like if, if right. something doesn't feel good, I'll be like, Hey, like we need to stop that or we need to shift. Like, I'm not going to blame you. And he voiced his opinion that like, if he does one thing wrong, it messes everything up. Like it messes up the whole evening right? or it messes the whole experience. And I was like, no, no, like there's only one way we can learn and it's exploring. And like, like, and every moment is different. Even if we're doing something we've done before, it's still different. My body's slightly different than it was before. Like we're bringing different energy to it. So like, that's okay. Like, please keep that level of attunement and that mindfulness and that care and that like, you know, sort of protective nurturing energy is lovely because I can like surrender to that and just give of myself, which is like a beautiful experience for me as a woman. Yeah. Um, And that's cool too. That's super. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, No. And I was just going to say, and don't hold yourself to such a high level. Don't have fear around that. Yeah. Stay in that level of presence and know that it's, it's organic and it's changing and we're a team in this and I'm not going to blame you. And if, if something's not quite right, it doesn't mess things up. We're just going to talk about it. We're going to shift and then we're going to move on with more information. And what's cool. What's so cool about that is that's such a, that's such a healthy way. It's kind of funny because we do that in so many ways in our lives where we're, you know, if someone messes something up, like if you go to a coffee shop and they mess up your drink, right? Like, what do you do? you don't take the coffee cup, slam it down, cause a huge thing in a coffee shop. And like, what the hell, you know, I this is supposed to be a decaf vanilla latte and you guys messed it up. You, you, ruined you, my yeah, day. You, you ruined my week. It's the worst thing. I spent $3 on this thing. You guys are horrible. <laughs> you don't, you walk up to the counter and say, Hey man, this is supposed to be decaf. And they make you another one and, and everybody goes on with their day and everything is fine. Right. And it's interesting how we can be, so easy about that in certain aspects of our life, but in certain other aspects of our life, we, it, it's, it's way more challenging. So I think that that's really, I think that that's a really important lesson for people is like to create that safe space where, you know, you're okay with, um, it not being perfect and making mistakes and, you know, trying new things. I mean, I think that that's really key. And I think that, I think that that is such a great lesson for people. Um, probably people who are in, uh, you know, who've been in, especially for people who've been in longer relationships who feel yeah. stagnated or, you know, they feel like their relationship is in a rut or, or whatever. Um, along those lines, what do you think? And I, and I know I've got like two more questions for you and then I'll let you go. Otherwise I could talk with you all day long, as you know, <laughs> um, what are a couple of ways couples who've been in relationships for a long time, what can they do to re rekindle that intimacy and that mindful sexual relationship? I mean, everything we've been talking about yeah, here. Good. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Like I'm looking at my notes. And I'm like, well, those five things. Yeah. Right. Having those conversations, creating a safe space, um, 
I mean, I, I think, you know, approaching, approaching the conversation of like, Hey, so I think, you know, we both know we're struggling with this. I think we both have some bad feelings around it. Um, can we, you know, can we schedule a time that we're just create a safe, non-judgmental space for each other? Let's just say it's only 45 minutes. We, you know, we're not trying to fix our problems in that time period, but just to get the conversation started at least. Yeah. Um, and to sit down and then, like I said, hash out, you know, start reading that book, hash out those questions that I posed already. Um, take the five love languages quiz and talk about that. Um, look up, I mean, you can Google online, you know, I'm, I guarantee if you Google like questions to help couples be, you know, more sexually intimate, you're going to find some really interesting things on there. Right. Um, so just, I'd say start the conversation, but be very intentional that you're not just, you're not bringing it up in a fight or an argument or when you feel rejected. Um, or, you know, like when you're on a vacation and your expectations are high, right. but you're still going to be really sexual when you haven't been for the past eight months, right. you know, like create a safe, intentional space, um, to have these conversations that matters so that both of you are coming in with the best of intention to not get defensive and to not lash out and to not shut down. And what's cool about that, what you're saying about that, which I, I think is super cool is that it seems like most of those conversations unfortunately take place in the moment in the heat of the moment yeah. and that is like the wrong time to yeah do that. it is the wrong like if you are in the middle of a fight it is the wrong time to talk about you know something in regards to that fight it's way better to talk about the issue when you yep. can be level-headed and and you know where you're both not you know your triggers aren't aren't flying because, all over the place and, and i think what happens in those moments you know when you when we were talking before about how for example, we can be so afraid of, of messing up in a sexual moment. You know, that's because we have had partners in the past that have reacted really negatively and have created a shame and fear response. Or that's because we have had those blow up conversations where our partner has said things horrible to us that afterwards they're like, I am so sorry I said that. Right. But it still stays with us. Right. And it still stings. And then it's still it. it it forms a barrier to our willingness to like take our armor down and just, you know, show up in a, in an, a really open, vulnerable way. So, um, yeah, we need to be intentional and that's hard because often these, these conversations force themselves, Right. but like, are we going to let our, you know, sex life and our sex conversations choose us? Or are we going to choose them? Are we going to design them? in a way that's actually really mindful and actually right. sets us up for a chance of success and moving forward and building something new or just something that's just reactive. Right. So, and that kind of brings me to my last, that kind of brings me to my last question. So during the, this entire conversation, the concept of mindfulness has come up several times. Right. And yeah. it, it seems like what you're describing you know, typically when people think of mindfulness, they think of mindfulness when, as it comes, as it relates to either meditation or yoga or, you know, sort of that chop, chop wood, carry water ethos from the <laughs> Stoics or whatever that, you know, that I love that stuff. But, but you're also saying that, that, that really can apply or really should apply to a sec, to a sec, to your sexual relationship and your intimacy, because it's something that requires thought and it requires soul. And it's just not a yeah. physical interaction. Right. 
Yeah. So, you know, mindfulness at its core is present moment awareness without judgment. And so and without judgment is key. That's key. Yes. Especially around sexual topics. Yeah. Oh, without doubt. Um, So, you know, when we, you know, can reflect on the type of questions that I posed earlier, that's bringing mindfulness to them. That's sitting with what are our beliefs? What are our emotions? Where do we where do we feel hangups? Where do we, you know, even where do we feel shame and embarrassment and rejection in our body and be really present with all of that discomfort and awkwardness in the moment? And so until we do that process for ourselves, um, it's hard to create safe spaces for other people to do yeah. that. Yeah. And then it's also hard then to be really present in those really like raw sexual experiences and stay both present to our experience and our pleasure and our needs and our desire and also fully attuned to our partners at the same time. Like that requires a lot of nuance of awareness and presence and then recognition of like when our insecurities kick in, when performance anxiety kicks in, when body image kicks in. Um, when, you know, you know, anything, boredom, something, you know, um, and a mindfulness of all of that and that we don't get swept away from it, that we, we recognize it. And then we choose to bring ourselves back to the present moment and the connection, um, with the human being that's in front of us. Wow. You're really blowing my mind. (laughs) This is awesome. It's so great. Thank you so much for being on here. Where can people find you online? Um, well, my main website is drjensden.com. That's my hub for everything. And then, you know, if people, people like my approach to stuff, like it's really um, helpful to me if folks follow me on social media and engage in that so that I can have a bigger reach. And, you know, for example, I, I have my first book that I'm pitching to agents and publishers right now. And the bigger online reach I have, the better chance I yeah. have. I will tell everyone. Anybody I'm listening? Publisher, I want. <laughs> right. Anybody listening? Check out her YouTube channel. I'm going to put a link to all yeah, your stuff on here. That her would be YouTube great. Yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, fantastic. YouTube. Thank you. Yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. Believe me, if you're going to follow like every meme and every Kardashian thing online, although my <laughs> list, I'm sure my listeners don't follow the Kardashians. I don't think so. Be, my <laughs> listeners seem to be just awesome. Like I love all of them. They're just fantastic. There's so much. They're just so great. So. I think that you guys will really dig Dr. Jen stuff. It's really cool. And I got to say, you know, so we've got this event coming up in a couple months, the, the Hero Up Summit. You can check it out at heroupsummit.com, heroupsummit.com. And if you go to heroupsummit.com forward slash hero, you can go and get on the mailing list to learn more about it. But I, I got to say, I'm so excited for your session at this event. It is going to blow people away. And so I'm, <laughs> and I just I'm not even going to get into what it's going to be and I'm going to leave it in your hands. I just I just know how I just can feel already how awesome it's going to be. So <laughs> I'm so stoked for that. So thank you for being on today. I really appreciate My it. My pleasure. Jeff. As always, I feel great. like I've got a PhD in in uh how to be a better husband, person, everything else and this is just fantastic. Awesome, awesome, awesome. awesome. Thank, thank you, you thank so you much for your awesome questions too. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And thank you guys for listening and uh, we will talk soon. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast today. Really appreciate you guys listening in. If you like what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And you can always check us out online at heroupmedia.com, heroupmedia.com. Talk to you guys soon.